You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today, sure, we're going to be doing the 2015 found footage horror by M. Night Shyamalan, The Visit. Which is sort of like what we do every other weekend. You come over for The Visit. <laughs> it's a good visit. I know that I'm going to get lots of coffee. I know that I'm going to get a horror movie. And I know I'm going to get my best pal. Mm-hmm. lids mm-hmm. next to me making you know comments oh yeah comments that make him laugh you know <laughs> and i was accusing west today of having the deep darkies <laughs> and this is why he laughs so much if you've seen the visit you'll notice this if you haven't seen the visit as soon as that comes up think of it just think of west and his tittering laughter and this is what he's trying to do with the laughing keep out the deep darkies keep well, them in a cave it's better that i have my chittering little laughter as opposed to pulling out a big shiny butcher knife well you could do that too i think either one i'd appreciate i'll keep that in mind i'll keep that in mind because i'll be moving soon and so i need to get new kitchenware so the shiniest butcher knives are what's going to be on my docket i would have recommended a martha stewart everyday scent i don't know where they're available or if they are anymore if they look the same but when she first brought them out oh they were the most michael myers looking motherfuckers i ever did see well it's good to know i'll keep my eye out for them No, today we are going to be doing an M. Night Shyamalan picture, and we're going to be choosing The Visit, and I don't know why we picked that one as opposed to uh, many of his other well-known... Boring. Boring. Pieces of shit. Oh my god. That's, you know, maybe why I bypassed them. Uh, I'm just not a fan. Just not a fan. Um, There's great scenes in some of them, but not a fan. I, I get bored. Mm. By M. Night Shyamalan movies, by and large. Even the good ones. One, <laughs> okay, wow. The good one. But um, I had watched this and was completely taken by it. I enjoyed this film very much. I enjoyed the premise. I did not enjoy the kid. The rapper kid. The youngest, the boy. Yeah. I can't fucking stand him. But uh, the rest of the movie has such a wonderful payoff it has such a wonderful presence it has such a wonderful tone i i enjoy found footage films and this does it very very well and i enjoyed this movie through and through so that's why i chose it and it's an exploration of madness which is something that we don't really do on the show enough we did with magic we do talk about the exploration of madness but we we don't do enough movies like psycho you Mm. know and things like that we talk about it more than we actually cover it. So I mm-hmm. thought it would be a really good choice. And found footage films, Wes? I do like found footage films. We haven't done one in a little while. Yeah, um, when you're there's talking, not a lot to choose from, right? It, it, it can be slim pickings these days when found footage films come out. Uh, they're a little fewer and farther between than perhaps 10 years ago. Uh, and, and so that only makes it a little bit more challenging to, to find films that... Um, really are worthy of discussion. For me, M. Night Shyamalan is a, is a director that I do like quite a bit. I'm sympathetic to, to the guy. And he's crafted some horror that I do like quite a bit. He's done uh, a science fiction movie that I like quite a bit with signs. 
Um, when I saw The Sixth Sense, like most people, I thought it was quite good and really, really ushered in a type of horror movie that is still extraordinarily prevalent right now, 20 years later. And it was a, it was a this meteor rise to the top with this guy. Instantaneously comes out with this huge fucking hit. But in a way, the double-edged sword of success meant that he was backed into a corner about a lot of the things that worked in The Sixth Sense. And so we've all heard the running jokes of what a twist and all this fucking shit that, that goes on. And, and the fact that M. Night Shyamalan has to sit there every time and try to cook up a twist because he felt like he had to. Everyone else isn't dead. The kid's dead. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if you don't like the twist, then to a lot of people, the movie is stupid. Which I hate. I hate twist hunters, and I hate people who make decisions based on the last five minutes of a film that they thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. And so M. Night Shyamalan came out, and he really did three films that I do like quite a bit. The, the Sixth Sense, he made Unbreakable, and he made Signs. Those are my three favorite pictures. Unbreakable is one I really still need to see because you did talk it up, and the premise sounds very interesting to mm-hmm. me. Um I was just bored by everything else. Unbreakable sounds like something I wouldn't be bored by. Mm-hmm. I mean, it like a lot of his earlier pictures, it is a slow burn. But I remember being so... For the listeners who have never heard me discuss my experiences with Unbreakable, I was very much against wanting to see this film. Because I really felt bombarded by the ad campaign. It was just relentless. Back in those days, I would go to the theater, I would say, a minimum of once a week to see anything and any everything with my friends. I was in high school. It was 1999, so I was in grade uh, 9 or 10 at the time. And so I was going to the movies a lot. That was what I did for fun with my friends. And so between television and going to theater all the time, I would just see commercials for Unbreakable constantly. And I am not the biggest fan of Mr. Bruce Willis. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say he's an overrated actor, but I'm just saying that he is an actor that I do not enjoy watching most of the time. Now, that made me completely avoid Unbreakable until eventually, I think my family rented it or or me and my uh, girlfriend at the time had rented it, whatever. And I did not realize that it was a superhero movie in a way, but it is the darkest, the the, the most realistic, the, the this incredible story. And if you like comic books and you like just just such fucking bizarre storytelling and you had no idea. And the twist was fucking incredible. And I fucking still think about that moment the first time that uh, Sam Jackson utters his immortal words. Uh, and it gives me chills. It was so fucking well done. And I was I was blown away. I was blown away by this movie. And Signs was the same thing. It was just such an interesting take on an old science fiction story. There's me loving sci-fi invasion films from the, the, the tinge of the 1950s. But... To isolate it to a single house to fucking make it like a horror movie, but with aliens. And I thought that the twist was lyrical. I, I like I and and so the problem with going so high so fast, in my opinion, is that is not sustainable, particularly as much as we as a society love to see people successful. Love to see people not successful. And people love to to just be the first ones to say the emperor has no clothes. And so all of a sudden, M. Night Shyamalan's career takes hits. Takes hits from films like The Village, Lady in the Water. And people at that point were saying, he's done. 
He's he's absolutely done. He can't fucking do this anymore. We hate all those twists. They're so obvious and predictable. We don't like the movies. He he changed gears because all of a sudden his twist suspense horror movies, whatever you want to call them, weren't working anymore. And so what he did was he walked on to a big bloated studio project of uh, Arbiter the Last Airbender. And it flopped. It was it. It I'd never seen it. Uh, I, I was not familiar with the cartoon um, I, until much later. I didn't really know what it was based off of, and it just didn't seem interesting to me. And so I felt bad for the guy because he made a hit, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Well, I want to make more hits." And studios say, "You can make more. You can keep making movies if they're what we are used to seeing from you." And so he does, and then. That doesn't work anymore. And so he tries to reinvent himself. He's like, fine, I'll just be a fucking big bloated studio idiot. And I'll just make these studio films. Because apparently my personal stories that I'm writing aren't good enough for people anymore. So I just want to be a working director now. Fine, I'll do that. Boo. No, we hate this even more. And so he has to go to movie jail, which is where you don't hear anything from M. Night Shyamalan for a while. Quite a while, really. He was exploring like sci-fi for a little tiny bit. And The Last Airbender was sort of doomed with or without him anyway oh yeah because of the whitewashing campaigns yep, that white, people were yep. going on so no one wanted to see the last airbender everyone went to see the last airbender to hate it and it had very little to do with m night Shyamalan, unfortunately but it was just a great thing for them to hang on top of their pre-existing hatred for a movie they'd never fucking seen anyway but i'm not part of that crowd so i don't really have much to say except for i watched the happening and a lot of the people that were watching it in the room that i'd walked into and ended up watching most of the movie were basically laughing at it through the whole thing and they weren't m night Shyamalan haters or or anything this was all new to them they just didn't like the movie and that Mm -hmm. was like probably the height of his ridiculousness as far as twists go yeah yeah so you have these films that have come out, a string of flops, mm-hmm. and going to movie jail happens to a lot of people, directors I- in particular, and so we don't hear anything from M. Night Shyamalan for a long time. He's probably hanging out with Eli Roth in movie jail. <laughs> Eli Roth is like, well, maybe they want more Cabin Fever. No, 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 not a sequel, just Cabin Fever. What if I make it gorier? Maybe a dick pickle help. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Funny. But yeah, we didn't hear anything from him. And then from the one sheet of The Visit, I was somewhat intrigued. When I first heard of The Visit, it was watching a trailer. Someone had the link to me and said, hey, man, have you seen this new M. Night Shyamalan trailer? And I was like, ooh, interesting. Haven't heard from that guy in a while. It's like a long lost friend coming out of the woods with a big beard or something. And so I watched the trailer and I sat there sort of nodding my head and interesting 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 all right i had thought initially that it would be a little more fairy tale mm. with like the rules of the house like mm-hmm. eat as much as you want don't leave your room after 9 30 mm-hmm. p.m you know and the the cross stitch look of the initial one sheet i i enjoyed that and i thought oh maybe this will be like hansel and gretelie mm-hmm. uh the closest we get to that is the scene of crawling in the oven <laughs> yeah and that has to be so deliberate right it's it, just truly yeah but and that goes nowhere that is not your Shyamalanian twist. No, it no, it's it's not. And but the visit really was the film that, and it's the sh- it's a shitty narrative that happens in Hollywood where it's oh we don't like you anymore go away 
and and then he he makes the visit and everyone was oh okay you can stay we like you again we like your work now and how is it a surprising thing is this the Shyamalanian twist that he's made a good movie what did you expect the guy knows how to write the guy knows how to direct the guy knows how to set up a shot the guy knows how to edit Mm -hmm. he is a really good filmmaker he just was writing the same sort of thing and churning out this this garbage as far as i'm concerned that so many people i've never understood the meteoric rise as you put it because it was and i don't know why because even from the get-go i've been quite bored by his films and this for once is not boring to me but then you get people who think that this is an endurance test that this is a slow burn and that this is boring they don't like found footage too so he's up against that with the visit i don't know who these people are (laughs) i really don't understand how this is a boring endurance test via V something like even signs, you know, signs is a quiet fucking movie. Very I'm quiet. quite bored by signs. I don't Which is, enjoy it's, it. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. If you were telling, if you were sitting me saying like, like these are stupid and I hate the twist, I'd be like, come on, Liz, like you're being like them. But if, but if someone says I find the films boring, it's hard to argue that. Right. I mean, you're, if you're not entertained by something, if you don't like, the 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 story and it's not catching you in that way that it needs to catch you if that if, what 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 can you do but the visit reached you and that's a good thing completely it did and i'm somewhat interested to see split uh, split is very cool some people really enjoyed it um part of me is gonna be like a lot of people enjoyed all of his other films too and i sat down to watch them and thought you know boring boring man mm-hmm. well the twist is somewhat interesting but not really and it just felt like a waste of my time so i'm i'm looking forward to the exploration of madness within split because this is a genre i can sink my teeth into the the interesting thing about split and and if someone hasn't if people haven't listened to the 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 movie i'm not going to spoil the ending uh but i will say this the twist in split is not germane to the plot so you can you don't have to go in there think worrying too much about like is this going to fall apart by the the twist because it, the the real twist that everyone was talking about doesn't relate to split itself as a singular film Mm-hmm. which yeah. is interesting to me where this is quite the opposite mm-hmm. this is quite the opposite and i'm not a twist hunter i forgot i was watching an m night Shyamalan movie mm-hmm. i don't go i don't approach his movies like that i don't approach any movie like that they're not a fucking game to hack they're mm-hmm. it's a fucking artistic expression it's a story at the end of the day i don't go into every story waiting for a twist that is a problem with a lot of people who are consuming story nowadays is that that is what they feel they need. So if it doesn't have one, it sucks. If they didn't like it, it sucks. If, you know, even if they enjoyed the entire setup to it, they're always waiting for this Shyamalanian twist. Uh, I'd forgotten I was watching an M. Night Shyamalan movie. So when it comes to near the end of this film, I enjoyed it immensely. I think that part of the problem, and you were you were touched on this j- just now, is the fact that it's the same mentality of live tweeting a film that you've literally never watched before. So you have stepped so far out of the overused narrative experience that you are making sure that you are updating your social media to to give your real in time impressions on things. Now we do that with commentary tracks, but I will point out that we do commentary tracks with movies that we have seen 
a fucking 50 yeah. times each, yeah. right? So, so, so I, the fun is, and we're assuming that when you're listening to our commentary tracks, that's not the first time you're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. For God's sakes, don't do that. But, um, but it, it's that, right? It's like when you're twist hunting, you are not allowing a story to be told to you. You are trying to second guess where the story is going. You are taking a humongous step out of the story to be like, hmm, now I'm watching a movie and I want to know where this movie is going as opposed to, and I'm not saying this is how you ought to watch a film, but I'm an example about how I watch films is I am treating what I'm watching as somebody telling me a story. It is. It's a campfire experience. Yeah. It's curling up with your coca and your blanket in front of the fire mm-hmm. and someone sits down in the rocking chair yeah. and tells and, you they got the deep darkies and, and tries and, to keep them in a cave. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that that's how come, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, M. Night Shyamalan movies are, are ones and dones because once you know the twist, what's the point? I'm like... So you felt nothing that whole time? Then how come people rewatch Signs incessantly? Yeah. Why are there clips of it on the YouTubes? Yeah. So I think that uh, there there is a problem with feeling as though we can't truly use film, books, games, whatever, as escapism. Because we're never truly engrossing ourselves like we used to. And I don't want to be a old man yells at cloud, but... Sometimes for a movie, what you should do is put your phone down and and watch it. Yeah, especially for the first time. Listen, have you seen a movie before? Like, well, I don't know. This one, this one captured me because once it was over, I wanted to watch it again. Mm-hmm. And I love movies like that. Memento does that to me as well. Because yeah, once yeah. you know the twist, I'm so, I'm so sick of saying the word twist right now. <laughs> it's I losing really meaning, am. right? Yeah, totally. Like ballerina, ballerina, ballerina. <laughs> but yeah once i you know that you kind of want to revisit everything you just saw there's a a lot of really great movies like that where you want to go back and see what you missed or see how you will reinterpret things i enjoyed reinterpreting the actions of nana and pop pop through this film (laughs) after seeing the last even the last half hour and that's the thing it doesn't come down to like a pop-up fucking scare twist at the end it's the 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 twist itself is as slow burn Mm -hmm. as the setup to the story and that's nice and long and drawn out Mm -hmm. the end is long and drawn out it's beyond a third act it's really a half and half sort of movie here Mm -hmm. especially since the uh, the the interesting thing about the the, the surprise in this film. Ah, thank you. You're welcome. Is the fact that there's still about 20 to 30 minutes of a movie left after that occurs. And that lets you know that uh, uh, these surprises that come at the end of a movie, if it's in the last five minutes, it's kind of hinging on you still reeling from that information and then they hit credits. It's a way to go. But this lets you know that there's a whole story that needs to happen. So the twist in this is not any more or less significant than any of the other countless fucking horror movies since the cabinet of Dr. Caligari in the silent era have twist endings. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, so I think that's how come this works so much. It doesn't seem gimmicky. And, and, and this is like, for example, I will say this too. This was the second time I've seen this film. I was just as entertained the whole time. I, and and those extra little nuggets of Nana and Pop Pop 
finding the the cracks in their personal stories and how they're behaving and how it it's so gradual. But by the end of the week, I mean, they can barely hold it together. And it's terrifying because I think what this film really makes me uncomfortable, why it's so, it can get, get like frightening is a bit too strong of a word because like I sometimes I'm always like, yeah, what am I frightened by this movie? But I can tell you those intense moments where I'm deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. is the unpredictability of people like that, where, where you just don't know what they're going to do next. It's true. And terrifying <laughs> is a good word uh, beyond scary. Mm-hmm. Because there, there was a, a complaint of this film that it was deeply unscary. And okay, so if you're looking for a whole different movie, why don't you try crime fiction if you want twists? Mm-hmm. Why don't you wa- watch crime fiction if you want to go back and rewatch something and feel superior and knowing what's coming or knowing what people's motives are? Um, this, you would never be able to guess these people's motives. You could tell this story 20 different times, just put them in slightly different scenarios and it would continue to be entertaining and terrifying because you don't know what they're going to do uh having grown up in a house that was a halfway house for schizophrenic geriatrics i dealt with people that acted very similarly very very similarly and they are unpredictable and it is kind of terrifying because you never know when you're going to wake up to the smell of burning something because they've decided to burn down their room and light the drapes on fire because Somebody took their toast the night before and they were saving it because the Nazis are coming and they won't have anything to eat when their family gets ripped away from them or something like that. Something like that, right? That sort of stuff that would happen. It is terrifying to see somebody rocking in a rocking chair laughing at the wall, which I've actually, I've definitely witnessed um, an elderly schizophrenic person in my grandmother's home behaving in in that way. Like, it is terrifying to be dealt with that unpredictability now these children are under the care of nana and pop pop which makes it even more insidious because these are people who are caregivers to these two children and they're in a secluded farmhouse which adds to another level of terror if you're fucking grown up enough to sit down and let someone tell you a story Mm -hmm. yeah i could see this i could see why people would be cranky about this because they're waiting for the Shyamalanian twist. They're going in twist hunting. They're not willing to sit down and let someone tell them a story. Mm-hmm. And they're not letting themselves be terrified by this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Anyway, what is this movie even about anyway? <laughs> this movie is about what happens when you walk away from your parents for many, many years because you're still angry at them. Because they didn't let you date that no good Nick on his juicy, shiny, black, rumbling hog with his pompadour, his rolled up sleeves with a cigarette pack in it. I'm just guessing what this uh, Corin guy was like when he was a teen. Like James Dean. Yeah, basically James that. Dean is what I'm... Yeah. The heartthrob that would whisk me away from my oppressive childhood. <laughs> Fascinating. I asked you, because if you were to ask me, I would just blame it on football and rap. (laughs) Football and rap, you got to keep people away from it because none of this would have happened. It's the liquor and the jazz, I tell you. It is the liquor and the jazz. That's what this movie's about. Uh, But it is an incredible study on on madness and aging. It really is, to a certain point. It is interesting. 
what we have here is two young children, well, 15 and 13 respectively, Tyler and Becca. 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 I'm sorry, Becca. I'm sorry, everyone named Becca, who I've done that to my entire life. <laughs> Becca. I mean, Becca. Yeah. Uh, uh, Becca and T Diamond Stylus. He's a rap star. Oh, sure. Yeah. He's like Tyler the Creator, or so people say. I mean, he's got a YouTube video with 347 views on it, Lydia. They, that, those kinds of numbers. I mean, fucking fat stacks of pay for cash. You know Ugh, what I'm saying? Gross. <laughs> um, so that I don't go on about it, I will just mention how distasteful I find this child and his proclivities. A rap is just not my, my thing. The way that this child talks is very annoying to me. Um, I'm sure that no one finds it interesting or cool quote unquote but like i'm gonna have to ask you to swerve on that lids see i mean i did not i I never who says that i don't know but now i'm saying it i'm so impressionable Uh, anytime i see a cool 13 year old i just want to emulate everything about them i know right (laughs) but it is really abrasive really really abrasive i would rather have a, a geriatric fucking schizophrenics diaper shoved in my face than have to watch any of the rap that this kid attempts yeah yeah i mean it's a it's abrasive it's a it's abrasive it's an interesting flavor i i I don't it's it's added for no particular reason except to flesh this kid out he is an obnoxious 13 year old that likes rap music but i will tell you one thing becca is not any less uh annoying to me because she's a 15 year old film snob (laughs) <laughs> I like they definitely read different books. Yeah. Tyler reads the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like a Bible. Yeah. This misogynistic fucking future rapist. God, I hate this child. And she has read, I don't know, fill in the blank on film. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she is an aspiring filmmaker. I don't find her too annoying. I'm sure people would say like that children don't talk like this, but you know, I, I, kids do talk like this. Intelligent kids who have Wikipedia at the ready, who also want to project an air of maturity. Mm-hmm. There, there is a consciousness to how she's speaking, uh, a, 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 an emotional detachment that she's above it all. Sometimes, when you're a teenager, I can't speak for being a teen girl, but I can certainly speak for being a teen boy who wanted to project airs that I was a lot older and more intelligent than I was because I was very insecure about my intelligence because I was in a spec ed program. Uh, so I use, and, and so you can either just be like, you know, rebel, rebel, bleh, fuck society, or you can just act like a brainy kid above it all when really I wasn't all that smart. And, uh, but I was passing. And people say that, oh, Wes, you're so articulate. You're so smart. I'm like, mm, I'll take articulate. That does not mean I'm smart. It means I'm well-spoken. I can trick you into thinking I'm smart, though. Many people do. And I didn't have to act like a, a smart kid I was. Oh, but, wow. Goodness gracious. But passing is exactly what most children are doing, whether mm-hmm. they are super intelligent or not. You know, it's it's what they're doing. And they're both doing it in their own particular ways. As abrasive mm. as I find Tyler, this is why he's got ladies on deck. Right? Because yeah. he is passing as somebody who is a lot more mature and a lot older and doesn't want to be treated like a kid anymore mm-hmm. and wants to be able to 
be trusted to make this decision that they've made to go and visit their grandparents. And Becca, of course, has always been very solid with her emotions and very cold and very protective of her emotions if she has one and would much rather turn the camera on other people and capture their emotions as a way of projecting her own, perhaps, but also she is passing as a more mature person who doesn't have tantrums, who doesn't speak out, who doesn't, isn't guided by emotion and is guided by logic. So they're both doing this passing as adult. Also because they have been given this sort of momentous decision to go and visit their grandparents. They have. Now, the reason why this decision is so momentous, and this is really the crux of the story, is that their mother wanted to run away with this older man. And her parents were very against it. And it caused a huge rift and an estrangement that lasted 15 years. They haven't spoken in 15 years. And all of a sudden, her grandparents had looked her up probably on Facebook or some other social media, just said, looked her up. And they started talking and they thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if perhaps we could meet our grandchildren? Could they come visit us for a week? Now, logically, you might say to yourself, well, the mother should go. They should all go and have this meeting again. The kids, and probably because of the fact that their mother is still very angry and and the interesting thing about the choices that this actor is making while playing her is she projects herself as a very immature adult yeah and and i think that's conscious i think there's still a bit of wild child she left when she was 19 years old and and kind of reliant on an older person and just kind of was allowed to stay in this fugue state while being a mother but also she's like i'm a check a girl at Walmart and I'm doing this. I'm just like going on a cruise. This is an opportunity for her to, to go out with this new guy who's into her life. That seems to make her happy. The kids want to allow them alone time. And at the same time, the mother low key probably doesn't want to fucking see her grandparents or, or her parents. Sorry. Anyways. So this is feels guilty, probably should go, but is giving an out to not go. And instead, I'm going to go on this cruise with my hot new boyfriend. And the kids are completely 100% yeah, behind it. They is... do think it's kind of weird to just be shipped off to go and visit with their grandparents. But they're interested because they've heard stories. They've heard those very filtered, tiny, good stories. Or, you know, if somebody has a bad relationship with somebody who was their parent for 15 mm-hmm. years, they didn't really have any problem with and had a good childhood up until a certain point. There are little tiny stories. Even with people that are 100% fucking pure evil monsters, there are going to be those one or two little nugget stories that you would tell children or people you don't give a shit about that, or you don't want to know very well, or like whatever little nuggety stories. There are going to be those little tiny nuggets. And that's what the kids have heard. The kids know that the parents... And grandparents, or like that, their parent, their mother, and their grandparents don't get along and haven't spoken, and she doesn't want anything to do with them. But they've also heard these little things like how she used to play hide and seek under the house, and mm-hmm. how she swung on a swing outside, and there was this grandfather clock she loved, mm-hmm. and sometimes at night she'd sneak out and get cookies, and like little tiny cute stories, mm-hmm. and knew that their grandparents weren't evil to mm-hmm. her. And that they were some sort of counselors. Mm-hmm. They, they they went to uh, do counseling part-time. At, like and, a volunteer position. Yeah, yeah. It's like Meals on Wheels, except you're actually going to a place and like helping people who are mentally ill, perhaps, or just need counseling. It's sort of a catch-all 
counseling. That, to me, is, is this like a group therapy? Like, what is this? Like, that you, could be suicide hotline counselors. It, it could be. It could be a myriad of different things. But yeah. that's what we do know about them. So and they so, can't be horrible. Yeah, they can't be horrible people. I personally speaking would would not want to make this decision. However, we learn that the, the, we learn what I feel is a pretty legitimate reason. They don't flat out say why the kids would push for this, but I feel as though once we learn about the two kids, how they're really trying to deal with the fact that their father has left, I, I feel it makes perfect sense to try to be out of the way and try to make things as nice for their mom as possible because she's not happy. And if she's not happy, well, then won't she try to seek happiness elsewhere, kind of like their father did. So I, I could definitely see the narrative sense there. And so I was like, all right, fine. We're, this is what we're That's doing. That's pretty deep. I thought they were just shopping for a new dad and they let this Miguel guy good enough. And he's like <laughs> taking their mom on a cruise. So he must have money for video games or whatever kids need. New cameras, obviously, because the one really digs that. Yeah. Well, you know what? That could be part of it, too. It could be a, a Christmas gift thing. But I, I, I really think that it might be what I said. But who yeah, knows? I think so. Um, you're closer to right. Yeah. And what did I, I will say about these kids is um, you're expecting a snotty sister brother relationship i like the fact that there's a little bickering and when you start the movie you're like oh here we go like you don't have boobs you're jerking off like whatever the fuck they're they're talking about but these siblings really are there for each other even before things are like they're not fighting you know what i'm saying like they're just these two kids in this circumstance together they do genuinely like it i like that even though tyler can't really help himself he's less mature he's he's more of a wild kid and he loves the rap music but he he does want to help his sister make this movie he's not trying to be he's not trying to fuck it up necessarily no and he is doing it his own way but he's not yeah trying to fuck it up and he's not making fun of her yeah 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 Yeah. you know what i'm saying like and, and so like i dig that i'm like yeah yeah let's have some fucking siblings get along for once and they're gonna need to get along because holy fuck now we meet Nana and Pop Pop, and they seem like groovy grandparents. Yeah. She likes to cook. Yeah. And she offers to cook constantly, pretty constantly. much. Yeah. I'm going to bake She greets this. them with fucking food. Yeah. Um, Pop Pop likes to split wood. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, it's, it's a very, I'm like, yep, grandparents. Yeah, like, very much so. They have a wonderful country home. Oh, it's, my God. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful country home. They have a functioning hobby farm. And she cooks and he splits wood. That's pretty much it. He throws some bales of hay around. Which, <laughs> late on second viewing, I'm like, does he even know what he's fucking doing? Yeah. But they're passing. As much as these children are attempting to pass completely as adults and more grown up than they really are. And mm-hmm. capable of making decisions and wanting to like bring the family together, maybe. Mm-hmm. Low key, as you would say. Bring the family together. These grandparents are like perfect grandparents. Yeah, they seem pretty perfect. And and Becca especially has come here with a mission to find this elixir. This elixir, of course, not being a literal potion. It's not the Legend of Zelda. Because every time she says that, I think, your princess is in another castle. Because <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous hook that they have for, for it, her. It is, but it's also like this fucking hoity-toity, artsy-fartsy thing that a 15-year-old... She doesn't have a live journal because that's not a thing anymore. So she'll just like start calling things elixirs and shit. She probably read it in a book somewhere. Like she definitely did. She definitely <laughs> yeah. did. Um, but the explanation for the elixir is so very simple. It's like, why don't you just say it, kid? You're looking for the forgiveness. You're looking for 
the reasoning behind this split between grandparents and parent. Yeah, exactly. And and they are viewing themselves as the bridge material. More importantly, she is going to create a documentary about the entire visit. And by the end of that documentary, I would assume she would play it for her mother. Her mother would be so moved by this documentary that they would just all get together again. I think it's a very noble cause. And I think yeah. that her skills are on par. There are other people who probably say that, you know, she's it's obviously make-believe because no kid could make a film this seriously and this well. And yeah, no, it's on par. I've seen kid films before from serious kids who want to be filmmakers. This is a serious kid who wants to be a filmmaker. And she's doing a very good job. I think that her skills are on point and her editing is on par too because you give uh, young people access to YouTube for most of their developmental years and they will learn to be great editors, critiquers and filmmakers just by osmosis. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. And these days you can look up anything anywhere. So, I mean, like her getting the skills at a very young age, it does not seem implausible. It's not, you know, like if this was, if this movie was 20 years ago, they would have to say, oh yeah, I'm like going to film school. Like I've, or I've, I'm in film school right now. Yeah. Like a lot like, of found footage yeah. films. Oh, that's Becca always with a camera in her hand. Miss film school student. That's how they would fucking do it. Yeah. But you're right. It's just like, you, you could definitely see her mom giving her that used camera that they found in the lost and found. I don't know, here, play with this. And, you know, you figure out all the buttons on it. And these days, those cameras, they look like she had a pretty nice fucking camera there. Uh, you know, you could make a whole fucking movie with it. So Definitely could. There's many feature-length movies out there that are filmed on this exact camera. So it's fine. And she has two of them. She mm-hmm. has her good camera because she's upgraded since then because mm-hmm. she's taking this very seriously. And obviously because she keeps quoting filmmakers and using... Uh, filmmaking parlance like it's second nature Mm -hmm. her brother sort of makes fun of her a little bit subtly throughout Mm -hmm. it because it's kind of over his head as over her head as his football references are yeah which (laughs) works well with these siblings i think Mm -hmm. Uh, i really enjoy the opening scene she wants to interview people she wants to get opening scenes she wants to get pictures opening shots of the swing swinging and her brother just standing there Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's doing a really good job. And it does a really good job for us of setting up the scene and introducing people to us, but not in a, like an overbearing found footage documentary mm-hmm. made by a kid way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm always thinking about things like um, the McPherson tape. That's very famously, it's like shot by like a, the teen, the teen son of the of the family uh, while they're doing it. And, and, and there are moments in that where you're just like, well, all right, <laughs> fine. But Everything seems fine. It's fucking picturesque farmland. Oh, look, it's the clock mother talked about. And oh, look, it's the swing. And oh, fresh baking. And they're so nice. And everything's fine. Well, Pop Pop is uh, hanging out by the shed. And Tyler is calling at him. Doesn't hear him. He's probably old, though. Probably can't hear shit. Yeah. yeah. But he looks directly at the camera. And then he just walks off. And then Tyler gets even closer and yells at him again. And you're expecting, as of your pop pop, to wave at mm. least, because you know he can hear him. And he just looks at the camera again and walks away. What do you think of calling him pop pop? Meh. I don't know. I've always found that really, really weird. And we were talking about this as we were watching. <laughs> All my grandmas were just called grandma. Yeah, me too. I was a grandma and grandpa guy. But like, I, I find as I get older, especially as, as, uh, as friends' grandparents die, they're always just like, Nana and pop pop and 
Giga and, and all this fucking shit have died. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are all these things? Well, I had a no-no, which is there similar to Nona, but like, um, that was my great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just because she said no all the time. Maybe. We had a. She mostly said nine. Like, she was very German. She didn't speak much English and used to yell at us in German. On uh, my uh, maternal side, we had a Grandma Wilson and she was in a wheelchair. And apparently, I don't have memory of this, but while she was alive, we all called her Great Grandma Wilson on Wheels. Oh, good one. <laughs> it was good a very. One. <laughs> it was. Great Grandma Wilson on Wheels. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, yeah, it was just Grandma with us, but. Um, my British friends had Nan instead mm. of Grandma, right? Mm-hmm. And other people with, like, bigger families. And I think that's what it is. It's like, picking out all these different names to call different people because you don't yeah. want to get, get them mixed up, I guess. I don't know. We had we referred to them by their last names. We had Grandma Yerke and Grandma Peaver. Gotcha. So gotcha. they have other names. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's. I find it very, it's very tribal to me. Like, I find it very interesting to see what... The, the 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 grandparents are referred to as grandfather, grandmother, grandma, grandpa, granny, pop pop. You know, like just weird. I think it's weird. I, I couldn't if someone was just like, and this is, and you can call me pop pop. I just be like, when did no. they pick these names too? It's not like they hung out with these people. <laughs> that was the thing, and and I, I wonder if like you could just like I'm gonna be pop pop. <laughs> yeah, pop pop. Please and thank you. Yeah, and I'd have to ask somebody with children who does this naming of fucking grandparents thing. yeah i like grandma Gra- grandpa That's grandma and grandpa one. seems fine to me yeah append well, last names if the confusion is a thing yeah exactly yeah. but um or on wheels or on if wheels you're funny yeah yeah if, if you feel like you've aged to the point which you need a wheelchair you can have your grandchildren pointed out mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway uh i guess we were dicks i don't know i, I wonder if she was like offended like fine i'm on wheels fuck you but anyway, um, that's neither here nor there because Nana and fucking Pop Pop is what we're working with here. Now, everything seems fine. There is a a, a, a a rule. And one thing that there's a constant, constant reference to in this film is that they're old. We're old. They're old. I'm old. That just, they just keep repeating it as this. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm old. What are they doing? I don't know. They're old. Why do we have to go to bed at 930 at night? They're old. Yeah. And and it really sheds to light how that works. Why were they stealing batteries out of a fucking pharmacy? Oh, they're old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it does, too. And in this day and age where, you know, people want to stave off age mm-hmm. as fucking far as they can so that when it comes to that point where you when you have wrinkles around your head when you're incontinent when you don't have all your faculties or whatever it is that is the marker to you that you have reached the end you've pushed it to its limit so that everything else can just fall away and you can proclaim i'm old and nothing else fucking matters anymore you don't gotta try you don't gotta explain you can you know you could probably beat someone to death with your walker and it would be like why because I'm old. Okay. The strange behavior. You know, you're absolutely right. The strange behavior is explained. We're old. And that is how the children rationalize the increasingly bizarre behavior of their grandparents. Nana and Pop Pop. Nana and Pop Pop. Everything from going to the shed to getting easily confused. General forgetfulness. I grew up in a household uh, where uh, my maternal grandmother had Alzheimer's. Uh, and... 
bizarre behavior was part of the territory. And when things didn't really make a whole lot of a, se- a whole lot of sense, you just say, well, you know, she's got Alzheimer's. She's old. And, and that was really all it ever took. And so to explain away any irrational behavior by the fact that they're old is interesting because it's very, it really sheds light on the fact that that is just accepted. But only with small things to me. Mm. Um, not even the vomiting. Yes. Not even the vomiting because, you know, okay, later on, Pop Pop is getting dressed for a costume party, which he's not actually attending because he's confused. That's the sort of thing that I think you could explain away or, you know, leaving a tap dripping or something. Not the vomiting. Projectile vomiting. Awesome projectile. I like that the subtitles, we watched it with subtitles so we wouldn't miss a beat. Mm Mm-hmm. Vomiting continues is what comes up on the bottom of the screen. And I had a good laugh. I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed her projectile vomiting. And it's done very well because you don't really know what to expect up until this point. Not a lot of things have been very unsettling. No. The house is a big, creepy old farmhouse. But even that isn't played up to mm-hmm. its height. And nothing is out of the ordinary. But the kids w- open the door after 930 at night. They do. And originally, Becca was going to sneak some cookies and she thought it made, she was, I'm going to turn my weakness into like, you know. Cinematic gold. Yeah. Where she's like, I bet mom did this. And a lot of it, Becca's perception is I'm going to retread footsteps that my mother did as a girl. And maybe the fact that she even feels even more connected to her mother because she is a young girl. Her mother would have been her age in this house. And so everything that she saw was from the perspective of her mother and really trying to figure out where she comes from. And and part Mm -hmm. of that is just duplicating things that might have happened. I live now uh, a stone's throw away from my mother's childhood home here in the West End of Ottawa. And I walk past where she went to school. I look at the neighborhood and she tells me stories of her youth. And I think about it in the, the, the framework of living in Westboro, Hindenburg area. And, and I'm constantly fascinated by that. It, 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 and so I could see why this would be so compelling to her. And, well, fuck, she shouldn't have opened that door Yeah, she hardly goes down the stairs. And there's her grandma, not Nana, walking in a white nightgown. And you think, oh, she's just like had to get up to get a drink or something but no she vomits projectile liquidy vomit at the bottom of the stairs mm-hmm. as she's walking and continues to walk and vomits again that's unsettling but don't you worry because she's going to talk to pop pop the next day about it and yeah she's old people she's get old, old yeah. and they get people get sick when they're old and and again that blank blank because old yeah and then and then they're like oh okay well all right she's a little worried and she but she talked to her grandfather about it and this is where the, the anxiety for me starts coming up because when you were dealing with, uh, for example, my own, like I said, maternal uh, grandma, we call her granny. Uh, when we were dealing with that, there was always an adult present. So anytime anything bizarre, kind of scary, where this... Or medically unsettling. Med- medically like unsettling. projectile vomiting while you sleepwalk. Yeah. Um, it, there was always an adult around to handle it. There, and, and so you as a kid could just disengage from that situation that is making you uncomfortable because you could just be like, mom, dad, and then the, then that's over for you. In this situation, there's nowhere to go. And 
Pop Pop gives a rational explanation. Oh, well, I guess I don't have to worry about it because I talked to him and he's like, don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. And he seems pretty fit and capable. And they're both like counselors. So they know medical professionals, you'd assume. So they assume a lot. They assume that Pop Pop is capable of taking mm-hmm. care of her and that it's nothing serious. Although it strikes me as something serious, but okay. It does strike you as something serious, but this is where... I'm also an adult. You also are yeah. an adult. Uh, but we basically say, oh, he is. He explains it always. Like, by the way, there is sundowning. Yeah, this is what happens um, with patients of dementia later on at night, and that can happen with schizophrenic patients. It can happen even with people with depression. It can happen to people with all sorts of underlying medical problems, mostly psychological problems. But it is attributed to those with dementia or Alzheimer's, and. It is a worsening of the symptoms when the sun goes down. And it's not necessarily explained. Uh, It could be, like they talk about it being a purely chemical imbalance. It could also just be a very human-animal reaction to fear of the dark to a certain extent. Uh, Not understanding the dark, losing track of time can sometimes confuse a dementia patient and make them act out in a myriad of ways because they're just basically confused and a little frightened by this and maybe they won't admit that or maybe they're not processing it entirely Um, but by and large there is no real explanation for why symptoms can worsen at night or could even just be having been awake all day and they're fucking tired so you know there's a lot of maybe reasons for why sundowning takes effect and i'm kind of glad in a way that they didn't name this film sundowning because that was the working title for this film and i thought that would be a little bit you know painting people with a very dark brush at Mm. this point because i'm normally very outspoken about horror films that blame mental illness Mm -hmm. and i really dislike it deeply mm-hmm. you have you've mm-hmm. talked about this on the on the show before yeah exactly so i don't have that problem with this film i would have okay. had that problem if they would have called the film sundowning mm. <laughs> i definitely would have but that is a yet another very solid explanation that these kids can go and check out on wikipedia mm-hmm. and medical journals they could even look in the dsmv for this if they were so inclined and find an explanation that meshes with what pop pop is saying about why Nana walks around at night and acts stranger at night and why they go to bed early, you know, and it does explain this away at another level in a very adult clinical level that young Becca can really sink her teeth into because that's what she strives for. Logic, explanations, medical reasons. Mm-hmm. That's what she's looking for right now. And there was, and, and this, the big moment after the vomiting is them hearing noises, animalistic noises. And the animalistic nature of like Nan or Nana or whatever um, is very, very interesting to me. It's, it's a, it's, it starts, the first time we see hints of it is hide and seek underneath the, the house, crawling around on all fours. Very feral all of a sudden, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, very feral. And then she, when she's chasing the kids and they're terrified. They're terrified that this person is, and she looks almost like fucking Sadako, like just crawling around with her hair down. And I feel like when her hair is up, she looks very normal. But when her hair is friendly, yeah, yeah, she looks wild and unpredictable. Yeah, it's it's and it's really sometimes it can be really. um, When my grandmother had her hair down, uh, my paternal grandmother, sorry, uh, 
it was actually unsettling because she had her hair up in a bun all the time, except for very late at night. And when her hair was down, she looked scary almost, especially to a child. Um, it's just, like when people who would have false teeth would take their teeth out. Yeah. It's the same sort of feeling, I think. Yeah, It's just like you, you look at them and they don't quite look right. There's something off about them. And and she's basically gets up, her fucking butt's hanging out, and she's just cackling and giggling. And, okay, wasn't that fun? I'm going to go get dinner going. And then the next time is like you think that you – it sounds like there's like a fucking – badger in the house or something yeah. scratching at the damn door and it's just her butt naked scratching at the door and at the door across from them uh, so uh, yeah. she's scrabbling at a closet hall door mm-hmm. for all they know like she is just acting very 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 strange and this is the sort of thing where i think that she definitely would need doctor so the next day when dr sam is that his name dr max dr sam dr sam shows up who is a friend of theirs that works at the hospital that they volunteer at. I I don't understand why these kids didn't say anything about their grandmother's behavior. It's hard to say. I think because, one, it's a stranger. Although, B, he fucking gives a lot of weird information that is that I'm just like, is this really appropriate to be telling <laughs> these kids that you don't know? And by the way, they like not only do you not know them, they don't know you. Like, what's happening? Anyways... But I think that it might just be this this stiff upper lip, everything's fine, we can handle this. Because if they can't handle it, what are they supposed to do? Like, look at their mom. She's sending them videos of her on this cruise, and she's dancing and having fun. And she's, you know, a, a retail worker working those long hours. And Yeah, you know, they've never really been face-to-face with any sort of adult crisis for real anyway. Because, mm-hmm. like... Their, their father left when they were very young, and there probably wasn't a hell of a lot attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, their mother's biggest crisis is probably running on a box wine on a Friday. Mm-hmm. So they've never really been faced with anything. I was, you know, as a child, seeing a lot of very different things in life and being very good at reportage and telling parents or adults if there was something wrong. Because anything that made me uncomfortable, I would tell an adult, right? So... The way that the the grandmother is acting, they're not really getting many answers out of Pop Pop. So I think that my natural inclination would be to ask a doctor. But I guess they have Wikipedia as their doctor. They don't need Dr. Sam. Mm -hmm. And uh, they seem to have like fairly rational, like you said, like a compartmentalized rational explanation about like, oh, it's sundowning. I Googled it. Mm -hmm. And and so this explains everything. Not only that, but uh, there is this aspect of um, Pop Pop's what we find out in continents after we find like a shed full of diapers. used diapers yeah. that Tyler comes across. Tyler is a, a germaphobe on top of everything. Um, that sort of seems to slip in and out as you were mentioning, as we were watching, but that, and, and the conversation that he has with his grandmother is very real to me because as uh, my other grandparents started to slip into dementia, I had, conversations like this with my grandmother who your grandfather's a very proud person and this is embarrassing to him and i'm sorry but he's not the same person anymore but you know like we have to you know we have to sort of carry on and everything's fine and and that sort of like waspiness to it and and they're from like a, a a farm town and they seem fairly well off and they're looked at as counselors and so i could see this this image being important to maintain particularly something that can be very embarrassing for some people about losing control of your body in that capacity. 
So it's like to me, like, I was like, all right, I can see how there's also a hush, nothing's wrong type thing because we don't want to embarrass anybody. And we're seeing examples. Clearly, our grandmother has some severe problems, but also Pop-Pop is not much better because he's going to this costume party and he's getting forgetful and he's also incontinent. And these are proud people and pillars of the community that are adored uh, th- uh, that um, are no longer the people that they were able to be. So the breakdown in trust is, is swiftly coming because mm-hmm. I was taken aback at their trust of these basic strangers mm-hmm. their mother hasn't spoken to for 15 years. Now they're seeing that maybe they aren't the picture of health and maybe they aren't doing very well. And it would dawn on them because these kids aren't stupid. We've mm. made that abundantly clear that their mom doesn't really know them either. It's been 15 fucking years. It, it, it can be pretty alarming, especially in those situations. Like, again, this unpredictability, like you open the door and all of a sudden Nan er, is fucking running back and forth with her hands behind her back. But then by the daytime, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and, Pop pop in his diapers. I mean, that's it's weird. It's more weird that he's storing them in a shed. Yeah, storing them in a big pile in a shed. It's like I guess he burns them out in the field. I'm like, how how many diapers do you wait for until you decide to burn them? It looks like there's 50 diapers there. See, even at Tyler's age, this is where I would ask one of them, if not both of them, do you guys have a home nurse that comes? Mm-hmm. Just also trying to open up dialogue about what medications are you on? Yeah, something like that. But something these like children, that. no. They do address it with their mother, who they're in contact with via Skype, I suppose. Via Skype, but uh, oh, wait, there's a little bit of oven cleaner on that there camera. Happened accidentally. They had been talking with their mother um, via video. So now their mom has resorted to video chatting with them and saying how weird it is she can't see them. Yeah, there's oven cleaner on the camera Mm -hmm. or something because she got batter on it when she was making them cheese biscuits. But... Mm -hmm. um, so they can't see their mom anymore. But they talk to their mom about, you know, the grandma, Nana and Papa are acting very strange. And they start to explain, like, some of the things they're doing, like the incontinence, mm-hmm. the up at night, the sundowning, and mm-hmm. the strange behavior. But Becca is, as soon as her mother starts to get very concerned, Tyler is the most concerned out of them. He's the youngest. He's the most vulnerable in a lot of ways. And also... He's a little bit more egocentric in that, well, I feel uncomfortable and in trouble. And so I want the, the mother here. Well, Becca's just like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. And and again, that's how come I really, truly believe that she's trying, the, she's trying a to little, be... Little mom syndrome? Yeah, yeah. There? Where it's like, no, no, no. I have to take care of this whole family because my mom just needs to be happy and blah, blah, blah. And also, I don't want to be an inconvenience to mom because what is she going to do? Get off the cruise and not enjoy herself? Yeah. We want her to enjoy herself. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um and even the mother is like, I knew we were going to have this conversation, guys. They're old. They exactly. go to bed early. They might be weird. They're, they're not like 100% spry. Mm-hmm. They're old. But she has a little conversational shorthand with them. What, how much of a crisis is this? Like how much of a problem is this? Like give me a number. Yeah. And like they, a pain scale. Yeah. That's a pain scale. Re- related and to. Exactly. So when you say one, it's like, Okay. Because Becca has a, a valid point. They haven't been mean to them. They haven't hurt them. They haven't done anything anything other than it's disturbing. It's fucking weird. But it's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. Is it, Lids? It's not yet. Let's record the living room in the middle of the night. To oh, see you can't do that. It's not ethically sound. It's a filmmaker. You need to have a 
permission. You need to at least be in the shot yourself. Someone in the shot needs to be aware. No, 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 no. You cannot set the camera up. Overnight, Becca says, Tyler has a great idea, though, I think. Mm-hmm. If they just set that up the first night, then, well, the first night they were planning on it, then maybe they would have saved themselves a little bit of time here. Yeah. Now, things have gotten even stranger and more intense. This, she's had an interview with her grandmother, and, or Becca has, and the subject of what happened on that day when her mother left, the exact details are not known. Her mother doesn't want to say, but she says that if her if their grandparents tell her what happened on that day, that's their business. I'm like, that's a really weird mentality to have. This mom has a weird mentality about a couple things anyway, because I think it's just weird to be like, oh, my estranged parents want to meet their grandchildren and this all works out well for me because I'm going on a cruise but it's really up to the kids. It's really up to the kids. These are kids. You don't like kids make huge decisions like that's crazy talk, I think. But okay, whatever. So yeah, it's up to the kids. This is this weird immaturity. I don't think this is a bad mother. I don't think she's a bad person. But she definitely strikes me as someone who had kids quite young and is is very overwhelmed by having to be a mom. And she's probably perpetually frazzled. Like just like frazzled mom 100% of the time everything is like putting a hot mess is yeah yeah people, it's just, just yeah. probably a fucking hot mess just like constantly flipping out about everything and um, I'm not saying like she's yelling at them and is abusive but I just mean no, yeah. on edge someone I, I could never take seriously yeah exactly and and uh, and also not particularly smart yeah okay that makes sense and 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 doesn't mean that she's a bad person. No. Just means that there are there are hallmarks to her decision making that lead me to believe that you know she she kind of got away got caught in a runaway romance and Bob's your uncle. So it's not a wonder she turns to her children to make life decisions. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like, it's like little, this... little tiny speaking, walking, talking magic eight balls. They are love yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so. Becca goes to have this interview where she asks her grandmother what happened the day that their mom left. And grandma has a little bit of freak out. In almost a complete psychotic episode. Yeah. We're just shaking her head, won't say anything. It's quite interesting. I don't want to talk about Loretta Jameson anymore. And it's like, whoa, that was quite the answer. Yeah, really, really... uh, Really, really bizarre, but not as bizarre as the next big event, which is what triggers Becca to want to let's record. Let's record overnight and see what's happening in the house after 930. She thinks her grandmother is watching television, having a laugh. Yeah. And she's like, you know, she's still in good spirits about this. Tyler's getting steadily more and more freaked out, mm-hmm. um, which I wish that they would have injected a few more instances of his germophobia mm-hmm. in here because there is a good 40 minute chunk where it's not mentioned. It's mentioned twice at the beginning. It's mentioned leading up until the end. But they, I wish they would have injected a little more because it would have added to our believing Tyler is even more unsettled and suspicious because he's an unsettled and suspicious kid deep down inside under all that rapper, the game player exterior mm-hmm. that this fucking weird kid exudes. Um, but Becca's still very trusting, still very even keeled and is like, okay, I am, I hear grandma laughing. She's probably watching TV. I wonder if we watch the same TV shows. I'm going to take my camera and go in, 
get some footage of this because it is good light-hearted family footage which is mm-hmm. what she's looking for in between all the very somber dark serious conversations she's trying to tease out of these people uh so she comes into the living room and grandma's in a rocking chair laughing at the wall oh yeah maniacally hysterically yeah but she's just trying to keep the the darkies away the deep darkies the deep i got the deep darkies and you gotta laugh so they don't come out their cave yeah and then i had a good laugh because i was like this is why you laugh isn't it what (laughs) i've seen this uh woman that we and i the the times that i bring up these schizophrenic patients that we had at the house on the show i wish i had this one photo of them because if you can fucking photograph crazy i've got it Oh, I gotta wow. find this photo someday because there's something about a very elderly schizophrenic that it, it changes the shape of your face, I swear. Mm-hmm. And this actress has pulled that off because I have the very similar feeling of seeing some of these people in, in moments where they weren't lucid, where they were either hallucinating or, you know, they were, it was always at night too. So they were definitely subject to a certain style of sundown syndrome here. Uh, with the laughing maniacally at nothing. Then just sort of twisting her scarf, scarf around her face yeah. really. And then, and, and again, Becca trying to like, stop, stop, stop. Like, like just calm down, calm down. Everything's fine. And and Becca at this point is really learning how to have kid gloves on with her grandparents. Now, she wants to go and, and get Pop-Pop's fucking opinion on this. He's cleaning his gun. With it in his mouth. Jesus, like... Which, at this point, the tension has ratcheted up so much that I love that scene because it is as unexpected as a jump scare, as an old witchy lady popping up in the dark in the hallway or Mm -hmm. something like that. All the tricks that he could pull out of his sleeve. That, to me, is applause-worthy in its darkness, applause-worthy in explaining to you that these people have some very deep darkies that we shouldn't want to understand but need to because these kids are in peril but the gun in the mouth yeah fascinating lovely a lovely scene and i love how how would this story have gone had he pulled the trigger had she been one cunt hair too slow getting through that door Mm -hmm. yeah because he had cocked the gun oh yeah yeah so now it's time to record at night yeah Definitely to see what's going on here at night. Well, you could kind of guess it. I mean, Grandma scrabbles around the house naked, puking all night. Puking all night, but uh, there is something. Eh, there's something else, though. There's one more thing. Yes, going around feral, and I think that perhaps when she had answered the question in her interview, what type of animal she wants to be a grizzly bear, I think that might be what she perceives herself as. I'm a grizzly bear lady. And my sister used to scrabble around on the floor when she was about three years old, pretend to be a beaver. That's pretty good. Trying to slap her tail. It was great. But the thing is, though, to be a grizzly bear, grizzly bears got a lot of things. They got teddy ears. They got a fluffy tail. They're fucking 8,000 pounds or whatever. Yeah, probably like eight feet high. They got paws. Yeah. They do. But they got claws. They do. Now, if you needed to simulate what perhaps at least one good grizzly bear claw might be like, might be a butcher knife. Oh, I would choose a paring knife, but that's just me. That, that, well, okay, that's a fair point, but she chooses a butcher knife. Not before she fucking fearily growls at the camera. That's yeah, a and I love what moment. I love the most about this is that she knows exactly where that camera is. It starts out like any other night that you would envision Grandma 
mm-hmm. is free range in the house in her nightgown and she pops up in front of the camera like within moments she knows it's there grabs the camera and Mm -hmm. takes it for a spin and it really lets you know that from this from every other scene that we've seen at her after 9 30 you get the impression that she is not present beyond the fact that but beyond the fact that she is obviously having a, a severe psychotic episode it is like she doesn't even know where she is. Well, yeah, which She's... is a lot more in line with dementia. It is an extremely innocent condition to mm-hmm. be in where, you know, you're not choosing to scare people or confuse yourself you know, at all. So those shots at night up until this point are very in line with what a dementia patient that is, you know, sort of sleepwalking is mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. It would be doing and would be you know, might be scrabbling at the walls, may shed clothing or may have slept in no clothing and gotten up and become confused about what time it is, where they are, things like that. Um, So it is very innocent up until this point where it's not necessarily Alzheimer's or dementia as we know it. It seems to be something far darker because she takes a, a knife, she takes the camera, she sets the camera up and she tries to get in to Becca and Tyler's bedroom. They have locked the door as is a fairly sound practice uh, in this household. And they watch the footage the next day. And at that point, Becca is, okay, we are leaving soon. Like, we have to, we're going to stay away from them. They are not safe. We have to fucking go. I like their ideas of, like, we're going to stay away from them, so we're just going to go across the yard and play. And they're throwing a ball up in the air, because this is how kids play, right? They don't look weird at all. Yeah, yeah, they look like aliens from another fucking planet. Well, sort of their grandparents. So I guess these aliens from another planet that their grandparents kind of are at this point don't notice that these kids are pretending to be kids now. Yeah, especially, you know, after some, like, again, we've skipped over some various things, but I mean, like, to, to there are so many moments in this film where you think, well, that's kind of fucking disturbing. Everything from them going on a, a walk and uh, they see their grandmother looking down in a well and they're like, what's what's with the well they search it they put a bucket down there's nothing in there but dirty water so what's what's the big deal about that and then you know all these other these instances why can't they go down in the basement like there's all these there's mold in the basement though west see and that explains the way to me like tyler's very like right from the beginning he's like grandpa's in the shed what's in the shed are there bodies Mm -hmm. are there bodies (laughs) and then he tries for a third take maybe there's bodies yeah. You know, yeah, it's great because he's being being a, as much of a filmmaker as his sister, mm-hmm. but he investigates the shed, finds the diapers. Um, he investigates the well mm-hmm. because, well, why do we want to go to the well? Because grandma looked in the well. It's like, what? He's searching for clues here to mm-hmm. any sort of reasoning for this. What does he expect to find in the fucking well? Bodies? <laughs> like, he, might have, he didn't say it, but he might as well have. Like, that he's looking for some sort of scary fucking untoward thing that these grandparents of his are up to. Uh, they find nothing in the well. They don't look in the basement, though, because I think Tyler is subconsciously, and this is another reason why I wish they would have peppered it a little heavier with the fucking germaphobe spice, because then we would know that the reason that they're not going to investigate the basement, because if anyone's going to investigate shit and it's Tyler, there's mold down there, and he has a freak out about mold. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They've had another visitor, Stacy. She's come uh bearing gifts you know the problem that the reason why they seem to be getting so many gifts is like over the weekend uh the saturday the their grandparents were supposed to show up at the clinic 
And they didn't. And they didn't. So Stacy no. brought a cobbler. Brought a cobbler just to see. You know, they 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 tried to explore the neighborhood. Pop Pop had a fucking episode thinking someone was following him and burst into furious rage. Almost beat the guy up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just getting confused and, and increasingly more dangerous. And well, good news. They got the oven cleaner off their fucking uh, laptop. And they finally contacted their mother, who's back from her cruise. She looks like an apple. Ooh, how are you kids doing? Yeah, I'm going to see you tomorrow. She's just a clucking little hen. Oh, yeah. But, Mom, you need to get into your car right now and come and get us. And the the, the amount of, I wouldn't say convincing, but it's, it's, it's like, what? Slow down. Explain yourself. Why do I have to do things? So the kids, like, start motoring off shit. And then they Grandma had a knife. We think there's bodies in the well. Like, I don't even know. I forget the things to say, but they just start saying things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mom is like, okay, I'm listening to you. I'm not believing you. And I mean, you know how long it would take me to get there in a car? Where is Nana and Papa right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we can show you them. Like every other time that she has called, they're at the chicken coop, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> are they really... at the chicken coop? Well, I don't know. When I was a kid, my grandma would be at the chicken coop, too. Yeah, it's, chickens are a lot of work. They are a lot of work, and then sometimes it takes two people. But, like, they're at the chicken coop. And up until this point, it wasn't, like, dire need for her to see where they are or anything like that. She didn't want to see her parents mm-hmm. at all. She didn't want to know what the kids and the parent grandparents were talking about. Mm-hmm. Aside from, like, are the kids having a good time? Yeah, because she she did feel like, are they talking? Are they saying anything nasty? Oh, yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah. Like, now like, it's like. She knows her kids aren't having a good time. Yeah. And she knows because, and this, by the way, spoilers, if you don't want to know the the, the, the twist in this fucking movie, stop the podcast right now. Come back to us in a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, give us 15 minutes or so. Yeah, 15 minutes. Well, or we'll so. probably just ruin it from here on. Uh, sorry. Um, sorry, people. I'm uh, Wes Snipe, and I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to the spoiler-free edition of Dead Air. Yeah. Now that that's over with. We can't. Yeah, because the mom wants to see Frederick and Maria, her parents. No problems, right? Mm, Not quite. That is not them. Yeah, I love this scene and the way it unfolds because she um, wants to see, like, where is Nana and Papa right now? And the kids are so used to, like, we want to bridge this family. So even Tyler's like, yeah, they won't see you because they're used to their mom not wanting to be part of the lives of the grandparents anymore. And he turns the camera of the laptop outside and she's, he's like, don't worry, they won't see you, which is doubly handy right now, considering the next line where the kids are like all excitedly chattering. Their mom was like, guys, 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 you need to listen to me. That is not your Nana and Papa. Yeah, and she's like, have you been staying with these people all week? And it's the whole these people line that it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and she's like, where are your Nana and Papa? They don't fucking know that. That is the Nana and Papa. No, these are strangers. You wouldn't piece together, except for on second viewing, the visit from Dr. Sam, where he's talking about, yeah, I didn't see, they were supposed to volunteer the other day, and they didn't come by. There's a little bit of excitement happening at the mental hospital. We love gossip. Then later... This other girl, Stacy, that shows up with her cobbler, she's outside kind of having an argument with them. You can't really see, but she follows them out back and then. And Rebecca was even like, "Why? I wonder why Stacy's yelling. Maybe she's telling them that they need help because they obviously do need some sort of medical assistance at this point. 
um, Stacy even said like maybe they're getting stressed out, and mm-hmm. um, there is a little bit of excitement at the mental hospital that they'd love to hear about. So I can't wait till I talk to them again. So when Stacy does return, I think a little more of it is where Nana and Papa, as we know them, whose names aren't actually Marie and Frederick, that's the grandparents. This is Claire and Mitchell. Yep, Claire and Mitchell. I bet you Stacy showed up, and it wasn't so much where Claire and Mitchell have to be like, "Come around back, and we'll we'll have a little talk back there." I think it's more of like, "Where is Frederick and Maria?" Mm-hmm. Oh, they're out back. Come with us, because they did seem to spend some time together. These were their counselors. Mm-hmm. The real Nana and Papa, who aren't there anymore, were Claire and Mitchell's caretakers. I suppose they must have visited there before and they there's pictures of them together on the mm-hmm. fridge there is, this yeah. is why I didn't send any alarm bells if you've been following along very closely when Rebecca takes pictures of the photos those are the people in the photos those are the people on the picture on the fridge the people in the photo and the picture in the fridge are also Claire and Mitchell not Nana and Papa the other two people there mm-hmm. are the actual Nana and Papa yep lovely very very interesting and so we can kind of like well you know stacy arrived and she never left and you're not supposed to go down to the basement we need to figure out what the fuck to do becca is compelled to visit the basement and this is all culminating at a family game night because that's what normal families do yeah they play board games the grandparents know that this is all coming to an end Mm -hmm. not the overarching storyline but just their time with the children for the week. Because they're still really doing a great job of play-acting Nana and Papa. It really, they really are. And she's even trying to get one last interview out of uh, Nana before she knows the big reveal. And this is where Nana tells uh, an interesting story about aliens that spit relentlessly in the water. The spit that they spit all day makes people go to sleep. And you go deep down into the water. And you fall asleep. And then you're taken away. To Cinema Fertilia. Cinema Fertilia, which the poor captionist had to write out. I don't, who knows if they got the spelling right. High fives to this caption person because they did a very good job with this film. They did because this word comes up a lot. It's this alien fucking home planet. And it is going to be very important to Nana's fucking story about... What happened to her? Why they're doing this? See, she wanted to bring her own children off to this alien planet. So she put them in suitcases and tossed them down a well. Mm-hmm. Killed her own children. And that's how she ended up in the mental hospital. We can guess at how Pop Pop, or his actual name of Mitchell, ended up in the institution. Because during one of his interviews, he tells Becca about how when he worked at the factory... He used to see a little white thing running around. Had yellow eyes. Yeah. No one believed him. Mm-hmm. So then they fired him and no one talked to him anymore. Real sad. Real, real sad. You know, it's probably about this time when Becca gets downstairs distracting from the Yahtzee games. Everything's okay. You know, uh, Mitchell's pretty fucking competitive. I like that. Um, I dr- love this Yahtzee game. This Yahtzee game is fucking ridiculous because... I love how Tyler is trying to really... Tyler would be me in this situation. Just like, I'm having so much fun. This is so good. Like I'm having fun. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having fun. Your turn. You know? And he's got a smile on because he's like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> we just got to keep these people placated. 
and just behave like fucking children. Just behave like fucking children. That's how we fly under the radar here. Mm-hmm. Becca, unfortunately, didn't get the memo. Yeah, because she's being very antagonistic and, and like, correcting Mitchell, like, that no, Hasbro bought this game. I was like, first of all, how do you know that? Second of all, like, <laughs> like um, it's just, like, a weird bit of trivia that you would know about, like, what game company, like, Mil- like that Hasbro bought out Milton Bradley. It just seems like a really weird thing to know off the top a of your head. A very Trivial Pursuit thing that this kid would know from memorizing Trivial Pursuit cards. Not like I spent multi-hours doing that as a child. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but she does that and and but eventually uses this as a distraction. Originally they wanted to like go out and film some outside shots. This is where like the oven scene comes back. This time the thing that you would think would happen in the oven does. She closes the door on her, but she does let her out. And again, it's very much on eggshells. Can you let me out? Can you open the door? And and Tyler's like frozen. He doesn't really know what to do. I mean, he's 13 years old. Like, I can kind of understand, right? The best part is when she lets her out and she's like, it's okay. She's done it before. And she did. We got to see that without so much tension, though. Without so much, you know, Hansel and Gretel feeling to mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a very cool scene. But Becca goes down into the basement. And one of the things that I think, the the, the as a storyteller, as a person who is obsessed with this new narrative that has cropped up, with her documentary and and all of this elixir that she's been speaking of, the forgiveness. And she gets that final moment before they realize that shit's gone sideways. Um, that's the thing that she was the driving force to why she wanted to stay, why she wanted to make sure that everything's fine. Just keep this veneer of everything's fine because she wanted to make this documentary, finish it so her mother can get the forgiveness that she theoretically had sought her entire life. Mm-hmm. Now, this new bit of information, she can't help wanting to go down to the basement. Me as a as a very uh, intuitive danger freak, where I I'm always afraid to like get in trouble, but also like I can put two and two to, together. I mean, come on. You would just guess what's down there. Yeah. I need to go see. I don't need to go see what's down there. I know what's down there. Mm-hmm. My actual grandparents and they're dead. I don't want to fucking find bodies rotting in a corner. I don't need to see that. I know they're there. But Part of the drive is catching the sun video because she is making a film now. Mm-hmm. And she is that, I was that kid with a camera in her hand for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And it is intuitive to just grab it and you hang on to it like it becomes part of your hand. So yeah. we might as well duct tape it to you like a frat boy on his 20th birthday, 40 hands. Is that what they call it? I think that's what they call yeah, it. Edward yeah. 40 hands. Edward 40 hands, yeah. Yeah. That's what it feels like. You're just kind of... Uh, Annie Leibovitz, a great photographer, often talked about feeling absolutely alien without a camera in her hand mm. or one in her hand and one around her neck. That's how she was comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is how Becca is comfortable with a camera. Also, she thinks they're probably just trapped down there. That's you never a sort know. of childish naivete because she's calling out for them mm-hmm. as if they're down there. And it, it could be. Just because... Like, there's no... These people are clearly unhinged. They could be potentially dangerous, but they haven't killed them so far. Mm. There's no, there's no reason to think that they may be, or perhaps they're, I mean, her grandparents were counselors. It's, it's conceivable that they would be able to perhaps not talk their way out of getting captured, but able to talk their way out of being killed. Maybe, maybe. Although we find a blood splattered and hair stuck to ball peen hammer or it's not even a ball peen hammer i think it's a recoilless yeah. uh hammer and a dead body dead it, grandma dead grandma dead grandpa next to them they look like they've been decomposing for a couple of weeks at this point mm, 
at least at least a week. At least a week because they definitely were the the, the grandparents that invited them there. These yeah, other people. Claire and Mitchell weren't the people that invited the children there. The grandparents did because the grandparents had told their workmates who recognized them mm-hmm. that the children were coming. So at least a week, um, probably even an hour before the kids showed up for crying out loud, because they had told these patients about the children as well. That's um, a good lesson. And just don't tell anybody anything. How about that? Um, so right away, Becca turns the camera around and is like, my name is Rebecca Jameson. These people have killed my grandparents. If you find this footage mm-hmm. and a light clicks on behind her and you hear, hi, my name is Mitchell. And this is where we get the story about the why Mitchell is doing this. He seems to have been doing it for Claire because she had killed her children. And so he wanted her to be able to live her life like a grandmother for one week. Mm-hmm. And the well is the only way you can get to cinema for Telia. And we're all going to be going there because everybody dies tonight. This Rebecca. is this is our last night, and and it's uh and we know that uh, Grandma has already been put into her room. The interesting thing about the master bedroom, though, is it locks only from one side, which makes sense. It makes sense that if you're going to put her in this room for the night, uh, that she wouldn't be able to get out. Now Becca gets tossed in there, and Tyler gets left out with Pop Pop. On those old doors, you can switch the way it locks. Uh, so that's what she's scrambling for when she's feeling all around the box of the doorknob. Because you can switch which way the door locks. Oh, I didn't know to that. To lock people in or lock people out. But you can switch it from both sides. So it's mostly like a kid thing. Mm. But like, yeah. Yeah, this one does only lock the one way to lock Grandma in for the night. Which is safe, I guess, for Mitchell. I don't know if he just cleans his gun all night or if he is old and goes to bed early. Which He may as well. I guess he's like, well, I guess I'll just go to sleep. Well, it struck us as weird because any elderly people we knew went to bed at midnight, not 930. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. I was like, I don't buy this old people going to bed early shit that my grandparents stayed up to like midnight, one o'clock sometimes. And they were up, what, five in the morning? Yeah, five in the morning at least. Yeah. bacon or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's not that's not my experience anyway, but. Mm-hmm. They. This is where the two kids have been squared off. Now, very different types of unhinged people operating here. The, you have Mitchell, who is sermonizing almost, who wants to talk, who wants to be heard, who wants to say his insane ramblings. And you have uh, Claire, who is feral. There is nothing... There, there, there is almost like no consciousness she there. She has some catatonic schizophrenic moments it seems and in between those yeah she is very feral Mm -hmm. like a grizzly bear like a scary animal yahtzee Um, yeah that's the best (laughs) even though her her mouth is full of cookies when she says it so i can hardly watch but yeah the yahtzee scene is great um which is a little closer to senile dementia Mm -hmm. um and, but the way that Mitchell is behaving is like this hebephrenic schizophrenic mm. where he is very active. He sounds very serious. He's not using word salad or anything like that. He's making mm-hmm. perfect sense. Although he has magical thinking. Yeah. Not yeah. in the good sense either of magical thinking. No, like Mitchell has uh, scary sense. Mitchell has lost control of his bowels. We know this because like he did the ultimate like I've just pooped myself because he's enjoying playing the game of Yahtzee and then all of a sudden he just goes quiet, stands up, and just like walks away and you're like, No, he pooped himself. But anyway, he takes off his uh diaper and you, and like when he's like taking off his pants and, and like his shoes and shit, well like Tyler is basically standing there pissed scared. 
Yeah, and this isn't the first time we've we've known that Tyler has the proclivity to freeze when scared because way back when he had this big story about playing football one day and everyone was yelling at him and he was all up to him and he froze on the field and I, I he didn't get tackled but he was supposed to tackle somebody and he fucking didn't which I think is fine this you know tackling people's back but yeah, whatever it's football's weird I don't get it but everyone was yelling at him yelling at him he could hear people yelling from the stands he could hear his coaches yelling could hear his dad yelling could hear everyone yelling and this had a lot to do with whatever feelings that he blamed himself for his dad leaving or whatever but he's frozen in that same sense right mm-hmm. now and as much as I don't understand football I do understand people yelling at you and you not getting it and you freezing and being overwhelmed and totally like sensory fucking overload and that's what this kid is experiencing and he is absolutely frozen and this crazy man recognizing this with his magical thinking of you have a magic spell on you (laughs) how we're going to cure this is with my shit basically you have a problem with germs and he just like mushes the diaper in there meanwhile becca is freaking the fuck out becca herself you know we talked we didn't really talk about um tyler and and hers particular problems yes he talked about his football issue and and he had talked about becca tries to demonstrate the absurdity of of those you think that dad left because five years ago he didn't tackle somebody and he says well when you say it like that it sounds stupid but you know kid logic and and the egocentricity of a child who would think to blame themselves for the problems of adults that are not a child's fucking concern um can't understand really why someone would leave and so it must be because he didn't like me i was i was a disappointment to him same thing with becca we learned that and 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 again like her her brother being a lot more sensitive and intuitive in this moment than we've seen him before and even becca kind of calls him out it's like is this all just is your rapper yo 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 idiotic bullshit is that is that like a front is that because you're a lot smarter than you mean to be because he's talking about um why don't you ever look at yourself? Why, why can you not stand the sight of yourself? Do you, and did you not realize your sweaters on inside out? I watch you. I know you don't even look in the mirror when you brush your teeth. You know, and I can relate to that. I don't, I'm not a mirror junkie. Mm-hmm. I use the mirror when I brush my hair and put on my makeup, but mm-hmm. I don't like. I, I I could I probably put my fucking sweater on inside out. Right? <laughs> it seems like, to, look at myself. Mirror, it, it, but this kid has an aversion to looking at herself mm-hmm, in the mirror, mm-hmm. probably because she sees a reflection of her father. It's not necessarily. Uh, I think when we had talked about this after the film, that it's she's touching on uh, that you were touching on her having a problem with her own appearance as a result of her father leaving. That her father left and didn't love her. And it must have something to do with her physicality. I don't think that's necessarily it. She sees a reflection of any sort of emotion. Because looking at oneself in the mirror can be a very emotional experience, especially for somebody who is unsettled emotionally or can't come to grips with their own happiness or sadness. Either or is just too dire to admit to them. And this kid keeps herself very closed off emotionally 100% of the time. So even catching a glimpse of her own eyes in the mirror may be too cathartic for her. And it sounds simple, but I mean, it sounds like I'm making it too simple, but it it is that simple that you Mm -hmm. need to avoid your own eye contact, let alone eye contact with other human beings. It's so much safer through the lens of a camera, Mm -hmm. right? And that's as... This is Rebecca in a nutshell. Um, 
I think that that's a lot to do with it. Her seeing a reflection of what happiness could be, a reflection of what her mother could have been like before any of this touched her in her own face, a reflection of her looking like her father, even in the slightest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Compelling. Compelling. Yeah. I like it. Now at this point, th- this is some terrifying imagery. I love this scene in the in the bedroom with Becca and her grandmother because it's so fucking creepy. It, you, her, the camera being away and then she's a little closer. Her crawling through the blankets. Her reaching up like it, it's almost like she has become a, a monster, a under, monster the under the bed. Exactly, yeah, entirely. And the ghost that's making the bump in the night because after the scrabbling around underneath the bed and clawing up over the edge of the bed and pulling all the blankets off, she rises just covered in the sheet, much like a ghost. Mm -hmm. And it's dark in there. All the power is out. Mm -hmm. And Becca's using her camera as like a light source and to see. So she's looking through the viewfinder with the, the flash on or the video light anyhow to be able to see it all. So she can't. It's, it's nice that she's forced now to look through the camera instead of choosing to look through the camera. Um, and we do have a nice scene where Becca's looking at herself just fine in the mirror because she's terrified and has no choice. Yeah, and then she gets fucking slammed into the mirror. And then she uses that mirror as a weapon. She takes one of the shards of glass and she's that's how she's going to end Claire's life, mm-hmm. stabbing her. While this woman dies over top of her, then using her camera to smash the lock. Wonderful, wonderful imagery. It's fucking great. It's such a fucking powerful scene. It is. It is so emotional. There's so much going on Mm -hmm. with the reflection, with using the mirror as a weapon to defeat her enemy, then to use the camera that she's been hiding behind to break the lock and open the door and get out. Like there's. A lot of fucking subtle and brilliant filmmaking, auteur filmmaking going on, right? And I, th- and I, and I, and I definitely think the the authenticity of that is is really something beautiful. Now she's got to go save her brother from Mitchell. Yeah, because he's still basically frozen. He is now covered in feces and terrified. And we know that Mitchell's like an inch away from just probably stomping this kid mm-hmm. to death. That's what mm-hmm. it looks like he's about to do. Yeah, I mean. They know that these people are capable of murder. They found the bodies. They found the body of Stacy swinging from a fucking tree. Yeah. I mean, like, whether or not uh, Becca realized that that's what she was looking at or whether or not um, that's something that the camera picked up that they were going to see later, um, we don't know. But but at this point, Becca comes to save the day but is tackled off by um, Mitchell, which gives Tyler the opportunity to tackle... Mitchell, much like he didn't on the football field that day when he was twelve years old. This in this scene is very interesting to me, and I and I get what they're going for. It's it's like it's almost like he's relapsed. He and, is, and it's like a flashback because he's saying he's yelling the things that people were yelling at him from the stands. And I get it as much as I don't understand football. As much, yeah, but but at this point, I think it really comes down to this moment in which he felt humiliated emasculated uh, powerless and powerless and and for a young boy or maybe anyone i don't know but like for, like me being I, I, me remembering my own youthful childhood when things like that would happen and you would freeze and you would feel cowardly when 
and, and so masking yourself with bravado, the bravado of a rapper, the, the, the misogyny and all this other shit to pump yourself up. I am a, I am a, a conqueror of women. I am tough. I am strong. I am like all these things. And in, in 90% of the people who attend my uh, escapade. <laughs> yes. Um, all of these things. And, and so he is, he is coming out of his shell and, and, and it's pure adrenaline. If he had harnessed one ounce of the fucking screaming that people were doing out of that day on the field, he would have been able to power through and maybe even at least move, let alone tackle this guy mm-hmm. that was coming at him in but, I mean, the football that day. But this is where he ha- is able to live that out and, and embody all of that rage because there's nothing quite like sports enthusiasts screaming mm-hmm. at the players from the stands yeah that is a certain type of very scary rage to me sports mm-hmm. people freak me out uh, at a very deep level and he is embodied of all of that fucking rage and it spills over into not only tackling this big man like mitchell's a big guy yeah. he's a fucking strapping farm looking guy he plays the part of fucking farmhand grandpa very very well because mm-hmm. he is a great big guy and they talk about his sort of feats of strength like when they were trying to pull him off of that guy on the street you know tyler had said like he's as strong like a wrestler yeah and becca watching just- him split wood and mm-hmm. hearing him split wood you can tell he's splitting the wood with one blow which is mm-hmm. quite a feat i can't do it it's, I'm not, it's a, not as easy as it looks yeah no it's very i think i maybe split wood in one blow once and it was like <laughs> I won the strong man. Yeah, he's like, he, I was like I've, ne- I've never felt more accomplished. I feel great. Even uh, someone my size splitting wood, it is not easy mm-hmm. to to get it in one whack, especially when you're doing like those full fucking logs, you know? It's like, very hard. Yeah, it's usually three to four whacks at least to split the first two big pieces. And even the second, like the when you got that in halves. Even that can be like two hits, something like that. He rushes Mitchell and he slams him into the, it's a huge country kitchen, slams him into the cupboards and he backs up for a second go and mm-hmm. he gets him again and mm-hmm. takes him down with Ta- this one. Takes him down. And then we see that Mitchell's, well, we don't see, but we can, the implication is Mitchell's head has gone between, like gone near the fridge door mm-hmm. and just like animalistic Tyler using the, the first thing in front of him, he just slams his head like she slams the fridge door, this big, big fridge door into fucking Mitchell's head. And you assume that he fucking like turned that guy's head into fucking cottage cheese. And I know what you're thinking. Where are the cameras? Because that's what I'm thinking. That's mm-hmm. all I think through this whole film right now. It is a compelling enough film that you tend to forget many times that it's a found footage film. It's a made by kids film. Mm-hmm. Um, at When Becca came into the room, she dropped the camera mm-hmm. on its side on the ground. So you're only getting sort of this sideways, I don't care where my camera is right now kind of shot. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tyler had first come into the kitchen quite a while ago, um mitchell had taken the camera from him and recorded like a little trees on madness or whatever and set the camera down or dropped the camera Mm -hmm. so both cameras are sort of unattended but at conveniently decent angles not the best angles and it does leave a lot to the imagination this is why we don't see mitchell's head getting slammed because no one has picked the camera and put it where we would want it to be right for all we know uh, tyler fucking decapitated him with that fucking door right we don't know it's what it seems to be he's pretty angry little kid yeah pretty angry i mean 13 year old boy all that adrenaline going like 
those fridge doors it was like a it's got like the metal finish on it it's like pretty big door you know what i mean it's the only good scene and becca scoops up her brother scoops up her cameras goes running out the door there's an orchestral hit which is great because you know that at the end of all of this becca edited her documentary Mm-hmm. It's horrific. It's terrifying, and I really hope that she enjoyed a wide release. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, it. There's no way she better have edited this and sent it to and sent Hollywood. It something, something, right? Yeah. It'd be like this is like I was like, there's no way if this was a real life scenario and you had all of this footage and they had survived. It's not like two years later their footage was found. It like. Like, no, like this should be on, like, Blu-ray. Like, this should be in film festivals or something, right? Yeah, and she probably would have, because she's a pretty bright kid. She would have, like, knock, knock, Eli Roth. Or maybe M. Night Shyamalan. Who knows? Exactly. Maybe this isn't a, a story. Maybe this actually happened and it was sent yeah. to him. Who knows, right? That sort of thing. Um, But this is the most beautiful filmmaking in the entire film, as far as I'm concerned, because... The camera is kind of wild mm-hmm. at this point, and it's them running out of the house into the arms of waiting policemen who have just arrived on the scene and their mother, mm-hmm. and it's raining, and they're crying, and it's beautiful. And I wish the movie would have ended right there because it is very beautiful. Yeah, you could have easily ended the film there, but there's one more thing that, there's one more thing that they need to cover. Did Not- you care that they covered this? Like, I get it. And I was, I wrestled with myself the first time I saw this. I wrestled with myself again today. Because I'm like, you know, it's nice, yeah. I guess if people need closure. But I'm fine with the movie having ended at night in the rain in the back of a fucking cruiser. Yeah, I'm fine with that too. The question of need um, comes only if M. Night Shyamalan doesn't want to have to answer that question constantly because people would be like, well, what, what's this one thing? And even if, if people love the film, I guarantee you it'll be like, what was in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction? It'll be oh that, right? God. People theorizing about what actually happened. And so I really just think it was a matter of just, this is just the last thing just to put a button on it. Would I, would you have even asked though? No, but I'm not everyone, right? Like, like, and, and I don't think that this ruins anything. It, it's a little hallmarky, but at the same time, sometimes people need things spelled out. And I think I'm also like, you know, oh, this family has problems because, and I'm like, oh, I don't need to know. Yeah, for sure. But, but Jen, just so our, our listeners know what the, the, the final message is, uh, not a rap song. What the final message is, is that her parents, when she was leaving, she struck her mother. Her father struck her. They were stunned by this action. I mean, like, from what you can understand, this was probably a fairly calm. This might have been, like, the first. Yeah, they disobedient... never been physical or cruel yeah. to one another. And, and this and... was a thing where they all came to blows all of a sudden at the yeah. doorway. And and it, and what you reveal in that moment was they had tried to reach out to her before for to, to like to bury the hatchet just shortly after she initially left. And because of her own anger, her own stubbornness, she refused to accept it. And now the reality is is her grandparents were brutally murdered and she can never reconcile that and so she wants to say to Becca, at the very least, to not 
hold on to anger. That seems to Don't be the message. Don't hold on to anger. And you never needed to go on a campaign for forgiveness because it was always there for me and I denied it. Which it's, you know, don't hold on to anger is a nice cute hallmark thing yeah. to end the movie on. But the bigger note that I get from this mostly needless bit, in my opinion, is I, people have fucking problems. It's none of your business. You can't fix it. You don't be the hero. Mm-hmm. Don't be the hero. Mm-hmm. Just live your own life. Go and become a filmmaker. Don't worry about your mom and her dumb mistakes. People make dumb mistakes. You can't go around trying to patch things up. That's more of what I took away from that. Don't hold on to anger. How precious. Yeah. It's like a metal ballad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, I I think the message is fine. I don't, I don't think it, 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 it adds only to the story in a completionist sense. If you needed every, thing tied up in a neat little bow i'd so much rather that it end without it because to me now it feels like pandering mm-hmm. so whatever but then we have the pandering which is this rap thing i sat through it the first time but i had to keep turning the volume down today i learned my lesson i just turned the volume down and left the room because i don't want to hear this kid rap like it does t- tell a story through the eyes of this kid in a way, because he does recount what happened. What happened, and then the fact that he need like that what happened to him afterwards. Because you almost would get a sense from this kid after he was. Is there any more crazy people in this fucking house? Mm-hmm. I, I was like, is this like that moment the new where is is this that moment where like Daniel Harris is sitting there after just killing the fucking and like Loomis is like no 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 <laughs> like is it that? Yeah. Um, uh, or, uh, or uh, what is it? And I was like, oh, okay. Just a little bit of like therapy, not being able to speak for a few weeks. And like, he was right as rain back to rapping and shit like that. Yeah. The real big repair comes, I suppose, in the scene. Rebecca is looking at herself in the mirror. Yeah. Looking at herself in the mirror while he is rapping and talking about the things that were wrong. And, uh, and also that images of them as children, including her father, were included at the end of the documentary. Yeah. So, like, that at the very least is... I get it. It's fine. Whatever. Oh, yeah. I still would have rather it end smash cut in the cruiser. I, I just like the darkness and the rain and the red and... I like the transition from, from no cut. rain to it starting to rain to shelter from the rain within the back of the police yeah. car. It's very pretty. So it's, it's a really wonderful shot. And that it's all shot on handheld and it's all shot kind of like wild camera i can't think of a, a way the opposite of steady cam yeah the dead opposite. shaky cam i guess they it's call not it. even quite shaky either though because she's hanging on to it for dear life right mm-hmm. so i don't know i just really like that scene so yeah m night Shyamalan and the visit i think a really wonderful movie mm-hmm. and if i was one of those people that paid attention to him having left film it would be a good return it is. It is a triumph. Maybe it was just a visit. It was just a visit. He was just visiting, and now and uh, he left, and now he's back. I think what this film represents, truly speaking, is one day M Night Shyamalan wanted to do a movie about death and who we leave behind and what that might be like if a person could see all the spirits that don't want to leave because of their unfinished business. And he had this little story that he wanted to do that turned into a great big story that turned into one of the highest grossing horror movies ever. And then he got swept up in this. What he wanted to be was a filmmaker. He wanted to make movies and this was his fucking ticket to making movies. The problem was, was he started to get bogged down in his own formula. And even though this doesn't, 
this doesn't escape that formula. This, much like the, the Sixth Sense and his early films, much like that, the visit seems like a personal story that he wanted to tell. He told a story about family. He told a story about death. He told a story about emotion. And he also told it to the perspective of a plucky young person who was obsessed with film that probably was not too different from himself. Exactly. So, and so when I think all the, and, and so this shitty narrative of like audiences leaving and saying you suck and now we love you again because you're doing good, but don't fuck it up because we'll be right down your fucking throat again if you make us mad. Um, I'm just happy that the dude is, people are laying off him for now and they can lay him off from this, not saying like, oh yeah, you were great once, but what happened, right? Kind of some fucking turds, right? Because uh, who wants that as a fucking filmmaker? I mean, that's what—that's the risk you take. But my point being is like, this was him doing what he wanted to do because he got like he got framed by his own legacy. Tried to do a studio thing, it fucked up, and so he was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna do this again with no money. I'm just gonna make films. I'm just the way gonna I want to. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna make my movies, and if people like them, they're great. And guess what? The visit didn't cost that much, so it's not like." breaking any fucking hearts or, or wallets and yeah. and it makes its money back and it gets critical praise and then he gets to do split and now he gets to do glass and he gets to finish his dark superhero movie that he wanted to do initially that got shit canned so there, there's a lot of positives and one of the things that i like about m night Shyamalan is he's a fucking auteur filmmaker that made it big and and he likes to make horror so good mm-hmm. and and sometimes that's just what you need. Like for every indie guy scrabbling away, it's nice to see a guy that's like could be scrabbling away, but got lucky. Maybe he'll redo the entity for me. That'd be cool. I think he'd do a good job. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Right. He would. But uh, yeah, no, I, I really find this a very enjoyable film and it is creeping with its terror because mm-hmm. for a few days after I kept thinking about it, and it's not just, you know, oh, what if I was tricked into thinking these crazy people were my family members? Never going to happen. But people who are, like, criminally insane can be around absolutely any corner. Yeah. Do you think that the like, – one question is, like, do you think that their descent into not being able to hold their madness together, do you think that they were on medication and then they, they – it, this is a slowly – the medication leaving their systems. I think, yeah, I think a lack of meds and maybe the parents being, the, the grandparents uh, being a little bit hippy dippy and a little bit too caring, maybe uh, had taken them into their home mm. for a short time and maybe were attempting. I've seen people have great results taking schizophrenics off of very hard medication. Um, and they do regain a lot of faculties, especially in the elderly. I have seen that happened so maybe they were attempting something like that and it all went very very wrong and turned into i want to grant this woman a week of being a grandmother so we need to kill y'all so that we can have your grandkids Mm. which you've conveniently never met i don't know but i think it had so much to do with them being given a little too much freedom when it wasn't necessarily warranted and having no medication and then ramping up with having no medication a week I agree. I agree. So what do we got next for them? Coming up next, we're going to continue to explore the minds of man with Madhouse. Mm. And then we're going to go into the people under the stairs. Yeah. So we got some exciting stuff for you guys coming up. I'm actually really excited about uh, the next big chunky block of films that we've got going for you. So, you know, look forward to that. 
But uh, yeah, as always, if you guys want to uh, hit us up on uh, Twitter, I'm at Wes Dead Air Nipe, and you can also get us on Stitcher or SpotPictures.net or SoundCloud if you have film requests that you want us to eventually do. But uh, just to let you know, we seem to have like a pretty solid block, so it might take us a bit to get to it. Mm, we sure do. But feel free to get a hold of us here at SpotPictures.net or the Facebook or wherever you hang out online. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.